0: Hail and well met. I'm guessing you're wanting shelter from the storm, right? Well, it is a cold night out there. Why don't you pull up a chair by the fire? I have just the thing to pass the time, a story. I call it the Knight and the Dragon. Welcome to the Lavender Tavern,
1: my friend. Once, there was a quiet town called Baravia that was nestled in between two hills on the eastern edge of the continent. Baravia was well-situated. It had a river that brought water and fish and boats with trade from other villages down the coast. The plain it stood on was high enough that the temperature was moderate. It was considered the friendliest town in the region. The Baravians prided themselves on being friendly. At the entrance to the town stood a statue of the town's founders with open arms and an inscription in several languages reading, Welcome to Baravia, all strangers who seek it. Baravia was also known throughout the region to welcome travel from visitors, commerce from visitors, and certainly gold from visitors. But there was one type of visitor that Baravia did not like at all. It had been decades since the last dragon had been sighted in the region. Goodwife Bayliss was the oldest Beravian, and even she could only dimly recollect her grandparents telling tales of a nice dragon spraying the countryside with frost and icicles, freezing the cattle and sheep where they stood. Nobody had seen a dragon since then. Until now. The farm animals smelled the sulfur and fled, spooked, The farmers also smelled the sulfur, but they did not know to run until a shadow fell across their land. With the wingspan several yards wide, orange-red scales and yellow-slitted eyes, the dragon swooped and soared and buzzed the tops of the farmhouses until the farmers cowered in their cellars. Then came the fire, magical fire, green and blue and orange, straight from the dragon's mouth, scorching the thatched roofs and searing the rows of corn, and somehow, miraculously missing the animals which stood fearfully at the edge of the river, trying to decide which was the worse fate, to enter the river or be burned by the dragon. Goodwife Bayless was not afraid. At the age of ninety-six years, she was only afraid of the aches that afflicted her hips. She stood in the largest scorched cornfield with her non-magical scythe and her non-magical voice and shouted at the dragon. "'Get away!' she cried.
0: "'Leave Baravia alone!'
1: The dragon made a long, swooping arc downwards, and the one farmer who could see Goodwife Bayliss later said, it looked as if the dragon was coming straight to her, fire lashing the field in a straight line. At the last moment, the dragon pulled up, but Goodwife Bayliss's arms were more agile than her hips, and she reached up and hooked the dragon's head, which spun towards her and incinerated her. Our beloved good wife Bayliss has been slain, Oliver, the council leader said at the hastily assembled council meeting. There were a few murmurs at the use of the word beloved, but nobody wanted to be a person who would speak ill of the dead, especially one who was still standing in scorched carbon form in the field where she had been struck. We must do something. Our crops are in danger, one farmer said. ''Tradesmen are avoiding our town!'' a merchant added. They sent soldiers to fight the dragon. Baravia had a small contingent of friendly soldiers who spent their time guarding the bank and the merchants and greeting visiting tradesmen. The soldiers were not familiar with battle. They returned, scorched and singed and smelling of smoke and sulfur. ''We could not get close!'' one of them gasped, and the others nodded in unison. Then... They went to change their garments and returned to their patrol of the bank. We must approach Wynne, Oliver said at the next town meeting. There were more murmurs. Wynne was Baravia's new wizard, and he had only been in the town a few months. That led to suspicion, particularly since he had yet to make a deposit at the town bank. It was Oliver's opinion against the group of farmers and merchants none of whom would take a firm position for or against. And so Oliver won the day, and he went to see Wynne. Wynne had a thatched hut on the edge of town. The hut had belonged to the previous wizard, a disreputable soul who had been asked to leave Baravia when it had been discovered that he was laying trances upon the townspeople that caused them to withdraw their gold from the bank and give it to him. Wynne had not changed anything about the hut. His clothes still lay in a box at the foot of the bed. His books and papers were in the box he had brought with him months ago. His only additions to the hut were the vials and vials and filters and potions on the far wall. When Oliver entered through the open door, Wynne, a tall stooped man with red hair and freckles, was taking stock of the potions and muttering to himself, Adder of roses, turmeric, sage. Friend, Wynne, Oliver said. Councilman Oliver, Wynne replied. Oliver was a man courageous in council, and yet fearful in private. Wynne waited. A dragon has attacked Baravia, Oliver said finally, as if that should explain his presence in Wynne's hut. I have heard. Wynne said dryly. More silence. Goodwife Bayliss has been slain, Oliver added. No doubt her kinsmen will mourn. Goodwife Bayliss had no kinsman or kinswoman. Oliver stepped from side to side, appearing to wynn as if he needed to relieve himself. The council has asked me to come here. Wynn moved his right hand in a circle as if to speed the conversation. To ask me to defeat the dragon. Yes! Oliver burst out in relief, then caught himself. As the town wizard, it is your sworn duty to rid Baravia of this scourge, he blushed. The payment shall be the usual amount of gold. Wynn mused. I suppose this falls within my responsibilities, he said. What will you need to accomplish this? Oliver asked. I will need to collect information, Wynne said, looking at his shelf of potions. Read up on dragons, perform research. Oliver sighed and nodded. For any request the council had, Wynne needed to read and read, as if there was time for reading when there was a dragon on the loose. A small archive of books and papers and scrolls stood at the south edge of Baravia, where Wynn had spent many an afternoon reading and thinking in the intense haze of sputtering candle smoke. The archivist, a wizened woman named Clydia, collected the admission fee for the archive and showed him where the material on dragons was. There was very little of it. A troop had passed through Baravia fifteen years ago with a poorly received play about a dragon. A youth had drawn a dragon in chalk on the council chamber's door and had been flogged. There were history books about dragons from long ago, but no dragons had been seen since before Goodwife Bayliss had been born. Even so, Wynne paged idly through the tomes, reading to himself such fascinating words as, The dragon is known to shed skin twice a day, and such skin mayhap be used for clothing and other crafts. Baravia's archive held no clues to this particular dragon, unless it was on the verge of shedding skin and crafts were needed. When Clydia closed the archives for the day, Wynne took the long route past the welcome gate of the town towards his hut. As he passed the gate, he saw a dusty man in traveling leathers, A knight, Wynne thought. The man had a sword and a bow and a quiver, but he did not need any special guard for Wynne to know him to be a knight. Even through the dust, the man held himself straight and proud, though he walked slowly towards the gate, looking very tired. Several townspeople were present. A young woman was carrying a basket of reeds, two men were talking commerce, and a boy was pulling a wagon filled with round, smooth river stones. They each glanced at the knight, but none said a word or approached him. Welcome to Baravia, Wim thought. This had been the same greeting he had received when he had arrived at the town several months ago. Despite the statue, despite the sign, the people had not greeted him or taken him in until he had cured a councilwoman's son of a sleeping sickness. It was fear, he thought, fear of the unknown, or perhaps fear of losing their gold to the unknown. So Wynne stepped forward and came up to the knight who stopped in front of him. Wynne was taller than the knight by a good foot, but the knight was well built and smelled faintly of sweat on the road. Well met, traveler to Baravia," Wynne said. The knight lifted his helmet, and Wynne saw his dark, dark eyes, intense and curious and wary. Thanks, the knight said, looking pointedly around at the other townspeople who had stopped to watch them, but continued to keep their distance. Would you like a drink? Wynne asked. The knight seemed to relax as if the burden of his trip had suddenly come down around him. "'Thank you,' he said. "'Call me Tristan.' Wynne's hut was already too small for him, and with a knight, there was barely enough room for them to sit at the low wooden table with glasses of wine between them. "'You are a knight,' Wynne said, stating and not asking. Tristan downed the wine in a single gulp, then coughed and sputtered. "'Yes, an honorable profession,' he shook his head. "'Or rather, it was an honorable one until our mission disbanded. Now I work for hire.' A mischievous thought flashed through Wynne's head, thinking of hiring Tristan for something related to nightly duties, but he dismissed it. "'Have you been hired much of late?' The sun was setting outside, and the orange rays illuminated Tristan's dark brown eyes as he poured another cup. Here and there. I make enough gold to get by. Then, looking at the potions and vials on the wall of the hut, Tristan asked, And you? Does Baravia pay its wizard well? I am yet on probation, Wynne said. They remain unconvinced. That I am a fine enough wizard for such a fine town. At his tone, Tristan looked at him more sharply, then smiled. Yes, I see. What must you do to convince them of your worth? Wynn sighed heavily. I am afraid that I am about to fail at that task. He took a book out of his pack that he had borrowed from the archives and laid it on the table opening it to a drawing of a winged, fire-breathing creature. A dragon is threatening Baravia. Tristan smiled, and it occurred to Wynne that he liked that smile a great deal. Did I not mention that I am a slayer of dragons? Surely there cannot be enough dragons in the world for you to specialize in such a profession, Wynne said, running his index finger along the rim of his cup. The wine had traveled from his stomach, to his head. I have been far and wide across this country, Tristan said. Even in the last few months I have slain dragons of fire and dragons of ice. The wine was touching the knight's tongue as well, Wynne thought. Let us speak of this tomorrow, Wyn said. Will you sleep here tonight? That last he said with more bluntness in his voice than he had wished. Tristan looked at the narrow single bed and shook his head, getting to his feet unsteadily. As is my custom, I shall sleep under the stars. Wynne saw him to the door. Perhaps I shall join you under the stars one day, knight. Tristan's breath, scented with wine, was very light on Wynne's cheek. Perhaps, wizard, you may always follow me. Alone, Wynne paced in his hut. There was no doubt that Tristan claimed to be a slayer of dragons for hire. There was no doubt that he could slay this dragon if what he said were true. And there was no doubt that Wynne himself could not slay or enchant or magic the dragon on his own. Wynne had collected the information and read about dragons and done his studying, despite Oliver's sighing. Wynne knew that he could craft a weapon that would defeat the dragon but he could not get close enough to strike it. But conceivably, Tristan could. "'You would entrust the defense of our town to a stranger?' Oliver asked Wynne the following morning. Oliver and his group of farmers and merchants were in the town council building, and Oliver sat underneath a portrait of the town's founder, the famous painting depicting the man standing with open arms and a welcoming smile. Tristan stood next to Wynne, but said nothing. A bowl of fresh water and a rag had transformed him from a dusty stranger into a proud and confident young man with a broad chest and massive arms soared at his side. "'Am I not still a stranger in Baravia as well?' Wynne asked quietly. Oliver coughed. "'Yes, but... well, we need your assistance. We have been blessed to have had your help on several occasions over the last few months. You are known to us,' he pointed to Tristan." He could be a fraud! or a common thief! Wynne felt Tristan bristle beside him and heard the slight clip-clip of his leather-clad fingers gripping the handle of the sword. I vouch for him, Wynne said simply. He has told me his story, and I have investigated it. At the word investigated, Oliver gave a heavy sigh, but Wynne did not stop. He is the man who shall defeat our dragon. That evening, in Wynne's thatched hut, Tristan scooped meat and vegetables from a bowl. He eats like a man starving, Wynne thought, though he has the broad shoulders and heft of a man who is well fed. Wynne had already finished his meager dinner, and he was looking at potions and filters and making notes when Tristan finished his meal. You did not do any investigation of me, Tristan said, smiling as he surfaced for air at last. Wynne reached over with a cloth and dabbed the knight's beard. "'I investigate in my own way,' he said. Tristan indicated the bottles and vials with an inclination of his head. "'What are these?' Wynne picked up a purple vial and hefted it in his hands. "'I gathered this last winter, on the shortest day of the year, just as the sun set. He handed it to Tristan, who looked at it in surprise.' It is cold, like ice, Tristan said. Wynne smiled. It is the distillation of winter, winter's bane. He took the vial back and looked at it reverently. This shall be the base of the weapon you will use against the dragon. Tristan looked confused and then nodded. A weapon of ice, I see. I have slain dragons with sword and bow and arrow, but... Never by magical means. We shall dip your sword in the potion once it is complete, and the tips of your arrows. Wynne looked him directly in the eyes. If your aim is true, the dragon cannot help but fall. My aim is always true, Tristan replied. And Wynne saw this for himself, as Tristan practiced in the clearing behind the hut over the next days while Wynne mixed potions, read recipes from scrolls, and boiled various liquids over the hearth fire. Whenever he stopped to rest, he saw Tristan slashing at a makeshift fighting figure made of straw and clay, the knight's muscles taut, glistening with sweat. Tristan spent each night under the stars until the day a heavy storm fell upon Baravia. Then, Shivering and shaking the water from his leathers, he came indoors and allowed Wynne to dry him off. "'You do not like to accept hospitality when it is offered,' Wynne suggested, towelling Tristan's hair roughly and playfully, until Tristan pulled the cloth away from him. Tristan's face was ruddy. "'I have learned,' he said, "'that there is a price to be paid for hospitality. "'And of course,' I do not stay in any one town for very long. I have lived in Baravia for eight months, Wynne said. The longest I had stayed anywhere, in many years. Tristan grinned, pointing at the open box on the floor. And yet you keep your robes in a box. Do you expect that you may need to flee Baravia if we do not conquer the dragon, wizard? Wynne looked away from Tristan. I have been expecting to be sent away from here from the moment I arrived, but I shall not leave until my task is done. Night. Rain fell heavily on the roof, and Wind saw that it was late. Will you sleep in my bed tonight? he asked, then reddened. Tristan raised an eyebrow. I notice that your bed is scarcely large enough for one of us, let alone both. Then... Wynne said carefully, ''Perhaps we may stack ourselves vertically, like dishes on a shelf.'' Tristan slowly smiled. ''Shall we discuss who shall stack on whom? Or is that a matter to be discussed once the dishes are put away?'' They lay against each other in the tiny bed, Tristan wrapped around Wynne and pressing into his back, his breath warm on Wynne's neck in the darkness. Wynne could not sleep. After a while, he asked, What will you do with the gold the townspeople of Baravia give you? He felt Tristan shrug and pull his arms around Wynne further. Live, Tristan said simply. Although I have slain many dragons, they are not common in this land. The gold should allow me to live and eat and rest for a year. You need not leave Baravia once you have vanquished the dragon," Wynne said. "There is always need for men who can wield a sword." Another shrug. "The soldiers of Baravia are mere money guards," Tristan replied. "And the Baravians are not the friendliest of folk, are they?" Wynne stared out into the darkness. "I have found my place." He thought that Tristan might speak again of the clothes he kept in the box, but the knight said instead, A town can always use a healer, or someone to deliver babies, or ward off evil spirits, or make potions. But how many dragons will attack Baravia in the coming years? Wynne stayed awake as Tristan moved and sighed and fell into slumber, his grip on the wizard loosening. You are a traveler, Wynne thought. You will always be moving from town to town. Like me. Nuri, Tristan whispered in his dreams. Nuri, Wynne wondered. A lover, a parent, the town where he had been born? Holding on to Tristan would be like trying to hold on to a summer's breeze. Wynne worked slowly and methodically on the ice potion. Then he worked even more slowly, and went to the archives often to read and make notes. Then he tried to do as little work as possible, but Tristan came upon him in the hut one day and asked after his progress. "'I am sorry to say that my work is complete,' Wynne said, hefting a jar of liquid that shifted and spun like flurries in a snowstorm. "'Sorry?' "'Tristan said, "'Is this not good news?' "'Once you have slain the dragon,' Wynne said, "'turning away so that Tristan could not see what was in his eyes. "'This adventure shall be at an end.' "'He could not go with Tristan on the day of combat. "'The ice weapon was also a shield that would protect its bearer, "'but neither Wynne nor the Baravian soldiers would be protected.' The soldiers were thankful not to have to go. And so Tristan went alone, and Wynne waited in the town square with the rest of the town. He was sure of the outcome, sure of Tristan returning victorious. It took no more than a day, and although Wynne had been certain, it still cheered his heart to see Tristan enter the town gate, dragging a large black thing behind him. It was the petrified head of the dragon, and Tristan lifted up with a flourish and handed it to Oliver, who had been waiting with the rest of the townspeople. Oliver broke into a rare smile. You have triumphed, knight! he shouted, and the townspeople cheered. They surrounded Tristan and lifted him onto their shoulders. He was a Baravian, at least for now. Wynne took the petrified dragon's head from Oliver and held it in his hands. It was light. Weightless. From the distance of the adoring crowd, he saw Tristan's eyes on him, and he did not need to be a seer to know what the knight thought. The townspeople are happy now, but yesterday they passed me in the streets without comment or notice. They are fickle. Oliver had a sack of a hundred gold coins provided by the Bank of Boravia. The sack was heavy, and when he passed it to Tristan, it clinked and pulled Tristan's hand down toward the ground. It was then that Wynne saw the disdainful look in Tristan's eyes fade and his smile grow. An ale for your last night? Wynne said that evening as they sat in his hut, watching the sun fall behind the hills to the west. I should be the one to buy you an ale, Tristan said. But let us stay here instead of going to the alehouse. Wynne shrugged and poured the each mug. I shall miss you, he said little more. Tristan passed a dreamless sleep and woke at dawn. He went to stand up, but he could not move. He tried to shake his arms, his legs, even move a single finger. Nothing. He could breathe and he could open and close his eyes, but no more. He was about to scream when he saw Wynne. Wynne was pulling on his robes, watching him. You are awake, knight, he said. Please, do not struggle. Tristan's eyes darted to the empty ale mugs on the table. A spell of holding fast, Wynne said. A simple trick every wizard knows. Then he asked, How many times have you done this? It surprised Tristan that he could move his lips, pass air between them to talk. Done what? he replied at last. Wynne laughed. An ice weapon for a dragon that breeds fire. This is an elementary error for a knight who slays dragons, is it not? He shook his head and stopped smiling. But a man such as you does not make such errors. I believe you did not wish to harm the dragon. Tristan struggled in the vice-like grip of the spell. I returned with the dragon's head. You witnessed it. You held it yourself. Wynne started taking the potions and filters and vials down from the wall and loading them into a pack. My pack, Tristan realized. He has emptied my pack and is filling it with his things. You brought back a head, Wynne said. It was unusually light. I know not what means you have of manufacturing such a thing, but it can be done, no doubt. Tristan sighed. ''How long?'' he asked. ''How long have you known?'' Wynne sat down on the edge of the bed and took Tristan's unmoving hand in his own. ''The ice weapon was a test that you failed,'' Wynne said. ''There was another sign, however. The gold.'' ''You told me that the gold would last you a year.'' but that you had been traveling from town to town for the past several months slaying dragons. His lips pursed. Would you truly need to slay dragons so often if it paid so well? He was leaving, Tristan thought. He would take my gold pieces and leave me here under this spell. Casting about in his mind for a diversion, he could think of nothing more than the truth. "'I shall tell you honestly,' if you will listen." And perhaps, he thought, the spell may fade while I tell my tale. Wynne was silent. "'There had been no dragons for many years,' Tristan said, as if reciting a child's story. "'Nobody knows from where they came. Perhaps there were two yet remaining, and they bred and bred until there was a blight upon the land. But regardless, I was an ordinary knight. I fought trolls and ogres and rescued men and women and sought treasure. Until once, I entered an abandoned castle and happened upon a dragon. It attempted to burn me to death, but during our battle, the walls of the castle came down around us. The rocks had fallen upon its wings, and though I was able to push aside enough rocks for me to escape, the dragon was trapped. Tristan shrugged. I am a knight. I cannot leave anyone in peril, even a creature such as this. So, foolishly, I pushed the rocks aside and freed the dragon. Her name was Nuri. She could speak. She spoke better than me, and better than even you. Hearing her speak was like listening to music. We became friends. At Wind's expression, Tristan shook his head. Do not look at me that way. Appearances matter little in such things. We joined paths on the road and went to the next town over. And do you know what happened when we arrived at that town? I can imagine that they were none too pleased to make the acquaintance of a dragon, Wynne said dryly. Indeed, Tristan said. They chased Nuri off with torches and arrows and thought me a madman. But when I joined Nuri in a cave not far from the town, it occurred to us that there was a way to take advantage of this situation. Nuri would attack the outskirts of a town, causing little damage, and I would follow shortly thereafter, offering to free the town from the onslaught of the dragon, Tristan said. Nuri and I would share the reward between us, and on we went. Nuri burned an old woman to a charred cinder, Wynne said. "'That was a mistake!' Tristan protested. "'Nuri would not have harmed her if she had not struck at my friend while she was flying nearby.' Wynne shook his head. "'You did Baravia a service by incinerating Goodwife wife Bayliss. Even Oliver would agree.' "'And the dragon's head?' Tristan smiled. "'My greatest idea!' Dragons shed their skin quite often. I simply collected the skin that Nyuri shed from around her head, and Nyuri burned the sheddings with her dragon fire until they were a charred husk. Most clever, Wynne said, getting to his feet. But now, story time is over. Will you release me, Tristan said, or shall you tell the townspeople of what I have done? Neither. "'Wynn said. "'I have other plans.' "'He picked up the sack of gold and placed it into the pack. "'My gold!' Tristan thought. "'They had slept in the same bed. "'Why would he do this?' "'Merchants come to Baravia often,' Wynn said. "'They sell me ingredients, and they tell me stories. "'Over the past eight months,' Merchants from various towns have told me of a fearsome dragon who menaced these towns, and a brave knight who came to rescue them from perdition. Understanding began to dawn on Tristan. I heard enough of these tales, Wynne went on, that I soon grasped the nature of your scheme. It was a simple matter for me to persuade the council to accept your help. He bent down and kissed Tristan on the lips, a deep, probing kiss, as if to have one last memory of him. Then, standing up, Wynne added, "'The spell shall be broken in seven hours,' he said. "'I will be long gone by then.' He paused at the door. "'There is a town some hundred miles to the east named Lawton,' Wynne smiled. "'I hear that they are unusually foolish.' unusually cruel, and unusually wealthy. If you and Yuri find this of interest, meet me outside of Lawton in a year's time. Some ideas for relieving them of their wealth occur to me. He went out and shut the door to the thatched hut behind him. Tristan relaxed against the bed and smiled. Lawton, in one year. That would be enough time for him to devise a way to trick win, to recover the hundred gold coins that were rightfully his. And who knew? Baravia was not his home. Lawton would likely not be his home either. But perhaps, with the assistance of Wind the Wizard, Tristan the Knight could find somewhere to call his own. And if not, there was always another town beyond the horizon."
0: Ah, look at that. The storm is settling and you are free to go. Of course, you're always welcome to sit by the fire and stay a while. There are many more nights and many more stories.
1: Tonight's story was told by Joe Cruz. Find our credits, merch, and more stories at LavenderTavern.com. Interested in having your short story told at the Lavender Tavern? Submit a copy of your writing to us at www.faustiannonsense.com forward slash Lavender Tavern Submissions. The Lavender Tavern is written by Jonathan Cohen and produced by Faustian Nonsense.